Welcome to She's Having an Episode, a podcast dedicated to TV's very best female characters. I'm screenwriter Layla London. I'm journalist Ashling O'Leary. And this week, we are not only discussing the brilliant character of Jen from Extraordinary, but chatting to the show's writer and creator, Emma Morin, in just a few moments. How excited are we? <laughs> just just a very exciting moment for us all i think this has been one of our favorite tv shows of the year hasn't it you and I? oh absolutely it just you know came on disney slate and boom i just like ate that up just gobbled it down it was so uh it was so clever it was such a such a sharp clever hilarious um what's the word like a remake or like just um spin on like a flat share comedy essentially uh, right like yeah. a flat share comedy and a superhero show it's a oh, most it's bizarre brilliant. like a marriage of both ever they fucking nailed it i know especially because you know this is a show where it it shows car- um the powers being just useless or <laughs> just stupid it's just like and i can shit out uh you know i can i can make whatever you want by I, what was it um the man one of them he 3d prints from his sh- asshole yeah yeah it is exactly. a sensational power I um i actually can't wait to talk to emma about all the powers but first yeah let's do a quick introduction to the character we're talking about mm-hmm so, Jen, played by Mairead Tyres, is quite literally struggling to find her power in a world where just about everyone else has a superpower. Throughout the first season, Jen's power-finding mission is simple, but her journey isn't. As well as all the challenges facing young, broke 20-somethings, she's also dealing with the loss of her father, self-destructing just about everything and everyone she loves, and trying to navigate the arrival of an unlikely feline romantic interest. All of which made us go, well, she's having an episode. Now, before we chat to Emma Ashling, do you have any fun facts for us? I've just got one for us this week now. Uh, prepare yourself. It is a hard hitter now. <clears throat> Ready. Okay, so throughout the series, they keep referring to the cat as a he. The cat is a tortoiseshell cat. And I will have you know, 98% of tortoiseshell cats are female. Expected one this week. Uh, what can I say? You know, I, I dig them. I try and find what I can. Dig them up. Just shine them up to the light. <laughs> wow. And while while we leave you with that, maybe we should cut to our little chat with Emma. Mm, sounds Perfect. great. <laughs> okay. See you on the other side, baby. Enjoy. <laughs> so, hello, Emma. Welcome to she's having an episode. Yeah. Hi. Thanks for having me. Our yeah, pleasure. no problem at all. All pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we've obviously become enormous fans of your show this year. It was one of the best things we both watched. And we really want to just dive into not only the show, but the journey and creation of Jen herself, your protagonist. Um, so to start, how different was the script and Jen particularly before you took this show into development? Oh, I don't think she changed very much, really. Um, I think there's been changes to the script along the way, but weirdly, sort of Jen as a character has stayed very similar. Um, 
through it all like yeah she's always kind of been like the i guess um oh what's that what's that kind of trope like kind of lovable loser a little bit like all the time <laughs> um so yeah she's kind of been the little rock in the middle and everything's kind of changed around her did you have any influences for her actually oh yeah i think like basically any like sarky woman in a sitcom ever uh <laughs> <laughs> which have formed us all yeah yeah mm-hmm. and there's too many yeah. to, to really name I, I quite like the i don't know i always kind of go back to like april from parks and rec is just a great sort of sort of thinks they're smarter than everyone around them and they probably are so they can get away with saying <laughs> really mean stuff but you kind of love them anyway like i think jen's a bit um peppier than her but yeah i always kind of come back to her as like a, just a great female character that I love watching. April is top tier. Yeah, absolutely. So like, what is your writing process if you have one? Oh, I don't really have one. (laughs) I mean, it's very like slapdash. It kind of, I don't really have like a set schedule and some days I don't get anything done. And then some days I work for like 10 hours straight. Like it's, it's very much whenever sort of the mood strikes and I think like ideas wise as well I never if I try to sit down and sort of have an idea on a day that's just it's not going to happen have to like go out and like buy milk or like just go to the cinema or like have a shower or something so it's it's very inconvenient for everyone I have to work with but <laughs> it does it does <laughs> seem to get done in the end I like actually watching and I won't name anything that just makes people feel bad, but I like I love watching bad stuff to, to get motivated to write. It's like I'll watch a really mm. bad sitcom or like a really bad movie. And for some reason, like if I watch good stuff, it just puts me off because I'm like, well, I can't do that. <laughs> it's, it's not going to be as good as that. But if I watch bad stuff, I'm like, I could do better than that. Yes. <laughs> really that's angry typing. A, that's such a good point because sometimes I'll read a book and I'll be like, this is shit, but this managed to get published. Like, what? <laughs> If yeah, I just don't do thing. these three things, yeah, then I'll do something great. Yeah, I think it just gets your brain going. If like, how would I fix this? And then once you once you start thinking, you're sort of like, okay, well, I might as well keep thinking, you mm. know. So did Jen yeah. pop into your head first, or was it the premise of the show? Oh, it's kind of. I guess it kind of happened at the same time because I think the the premise of the show was quite uh, did kind of pop up for me and felt very distinct. But I already kind of had this. A, a character like Jen that I wanted to write about. Like I, I kind of wanted to, and it's probably because like this was me at the time, just like someone, like a, a woman in their mid twenties, like not really knowing what they're doing, not really being particularly good at anything, um, not being like successful romantically as well. Because I feel like a lot of sort of media around like young women revolves around their sex lives and how like interesting and sex in the city they are. But I was like, mm. that's not. Well, that's not that wasn't me at the minute. So I was like, well, <laughs> let's explore that. Um, so I sort of had, yeah, this character that, that I wanted to write about that kind of lacked a lot of things. And then when I got the idea for the show, it was like, well, this it kind of makes sense that the that character would fit into this world where everyone's kind of great at everything. So it was kind of just a nice, just like good timing, I guess, that they kind of came together when I was when I was trying to write that. Yeah. And you you say, obviously, this is loosely based on your own persona at that time. How important was it for you to differentiate parts of her? Or did you just throw yourself down on the page and call her Jen? 
yeah <laughs> <laughs> um oh, it's really it's embarrassing because i feel like jen's like cooler than me as well <laughs> and like more active like i think when i think all of our like a lot of our flaws are the same um but i think the difference is because it's a tv character they kind of have to do stuff about it she's like way more active whereas i'll just sort of wallow um and then eventually <laughs> about it. uh but yeah I, I did want a little bit of distance because i didn't want it to be I guess I didn't want it to be sort of like advertised as like an autobiographical thing. Cause I think mm. there's, I think there's like core things that are very, actually like relatively universal, I guess, that it seems like selfish me to be like, this is my thing and that I, this is what I feel and I'm so unique. Um, and yeah, I, just, I felt like there's so much genuinely autobiographical stuff at the minute that women are writing that I didn't sort of want to falsely throw my hat in the ring, if that makes sense. Sure. It's also much harder to say this is my life when it's a world full of superpowers, right? Yeah, there's that much distance, actually. I can be like, well, this, yeah, this this didn't specifically, like, happen to me. My, like, my cat didn't come on someone because that, was... <laughs> that can't happen. As good as it was. Yeah, so I have this nice sort of, like, distance with it that it's so absurd that you can't really. But the emotional sort of stuff, I guess, is very, very one-to-one. Absolutely. And I think it's part of what makes her so authentic and enjoyable, even in her sort of baddest moments and the moments where she's most unlikable. You think, no, yeah, I could see why somebody might act that way or do that thing. It's rooted in some real truths. Yeah, that's um, awkward moments with like script editors. They're like, a human being wouldn't do this in this moment. And I'm like, that's exactly what I would have done. <laughs> oh on my, my immediate impulse. <laughs> Also, who are these people? You know, it's just like, have they not lived through their early twenties? Yeah, that's a bit of a radical thing to do, and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, you're right. It's just for the drama. Yeah. Speaking of radical, the name Jizzlord, right? <laughs> just taking into account, this is on Disney Plus, which has got a primarily it's an American audience. How was that conversation in the room, if any? Weirdly, they loved it. Like, I, I think people sort of expect, I think because they really want to differentiate away from Disney's for kids. So they quite liked all the slightly gross, weird, out there stuff about the script. So like whenever I sort of, I, I would occasionally write stuff in being like, yeah, they're not gonna, this, this is gonna be the, the email back where they're like, we're not doing that. But <laughs> usually it's like, yes, and give us more. Um, mm. But you know, it's, I, I find it really funny when the show came out that like they have to translate the show into like loads of different languages and that includes the names. Oh my God, <laughs> what is Jizzlord in Chinese? <laughs> it's, it's so like, I'd really recommend Googling it because you can see like the cultural differences between each. Like I had like a friend from Norway who sent me like a screen grab that he's called like Seed Lord over there. With, like, <laughs> oh. like, in, like, uh, <laughs> What a beautiful gift oh. to the world, actually. Yeah, well done. That's a major contribution. <laughs> yeah, very proud of just adding that to the cultural lexicon. Right. Yeah. Uh, oh, this yeah. is also one of Disney Plus UK's first commissions, right? Yeah, it was sort of in their round of, of first. I think there was three, three or four things commissioned, and everything else is quite serious and drama based. So I, I felt kind of like the awkward comedy child <laughs> of the family <laughs> doing silly that, stuff but. 
I know it set yourself apart massively mm. that must have been yeah. so bizarre because this is your first you know soul show this is your creation and you as the writer I mean that must be unbelievable to think that Disney wanted to put you out there at this very sort of weird important time for them too yeah it's very much um I mean, we have a second season so it worked out apparently but it, it does feel like a yeah, uh, just like a gamble on their part i'm not gonna lie <laughs> like i think my production company told me it was greenlit um over a zoom in like the depths of the pandemic when i was living with my parents again in ireland and oh, uh, wow. i was i kind of went like yeah okay all right <laughs> like i genuinely thought they were either taking the piss or like they'd, they'd change their minds like a few days. So I was kind of like, great, mm-hmm, cool. And then just close the laptop down and had tea with my mom. Um, <laughs> so it was, this yeah, it was is really surreal. it. Yeah. But no, it's it. been, it's been great. It's been actually so, it's kind of nice. It's been Disney. Cause you do get not to put down sort of BBC channel four, but you do get a slightly bigger budget and it's nice to kind of write stuff in where I'm like, I know we have the, the VFX budget for this really stupid joke that we might be able to do somewhere else. So it's quite, it's kind of opened a lot of doors, like creatively where I can kind of do what I want within for sure. relative it's reason, true. you know? Yeah. An American dollar does not lie. <laughs> <laughs> you also obviously spent years creating, you know, th- this entire world, but Jen specifically, when it came to casting her as a character, how fucking weird was that process? It was it was really strange, especially because it is, and I've I think I came to realize through casting how much Jen is kind of my own voice and brain because basically the casting agency I didn't write her to be Irish at first at all it was it was very neutral and then the casting agency just kept sending me tapes of like Irish actors and I kept being like. Oh. Why are they showing me all these Irish people? <laughs> this is discrimination. This is um, but then, like, yeah, the second I saw like Maraid, um, and it, she because she like it was so one to one with the the voice I kind of had in my head for Jen. I think that's when it clicked that I was like, oh no, yeah, this is basically kind of just me <laughs> with some bells and whistles on. But yeah, I think once we got that like once we got that really kind of specific sarky irish voice into it i think that's when everything really clicked and that's when generally became like way more 3d to me as a character and i could let it actually develop kind of away from me if that makes sense it kind of became its own thing mm. how much writing was left to do in the series after she was cast i think we'd gotten up to maybe five of eight four of eight so it was yeah it was really nice being able to like write to an actor after that and Maraid really hates me because she could tell when she got cast because the jokes about her get way more personal <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> that's so funny oh my god give us an example so there's a joke maybe I think in five yeah it must have been four because this is jokes in five where like her sister is like oh what happened did the morgue run out your foundation and like she was like you put that in after I was cast didn't you and I was like yeah yeah." (laughs) (laughs) that is one of the best and actually like biggest episodes for Jen too isn't it that's the Jen show yeah yeah I really wanted to I'm just I'm so conscious of um basically writing female characters that are like messy and a little bit unlikable um but also ones that are like not aware that they're that so I think there's this kind of there was this kind of trend towards 
let's make women really problematic and like have bad behavior like male characters do but then we kind of forgot to make sure that you're pointing out that that's also kind of a bad thing <laughs> you know because i think the second people become sort of un unself-aware they become really really deeply unlikable in a way that mm. sort of undoes a lot of that work i i don't know so i i i used to get quite I used to kind of avoid watching a lot of shows with those kind of protagonists because I'd just start not liking them <laughs> really yeah. quickly. And in a way that I don't think that the creators like intend. I think they want them to be unlikable in the sense of like, they're unlikable in the world of the show, but we as an audience love them like from that distance. But I think sometimes it goes a bit far where you, even you as the audience don't like them outside of their own world too. So I just wanted to give her some consequences and sort of a bit of self-perspective. Absolutely. But I wonder as well, like, do you know the way in Ireland you have that thing of notions? It's like, act mm. on, like, cop, cop on to yourself. Like, why are you acting like such an idiot? Like, you know, be aware of like who is around you and the people. And I did, did that maybe feed into it at all? Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think just like innately from growing up in like Northern Ireland, having any self-esteem is bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and after I moved to England, I realised maybe having a little bit is fine. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah, there's a bit of healthy balance. Um, but yeah, yeah I think true. it's just I think the whole the, the whole point of the show is kind of not taking yourself so seriously and not sort of seeing yourself as like a superior individual to everybody else. It's kind of about accepting that you're a bit shit. And that's maybe okay. And just kind of getting along with your friends and family is maybe the, the most important thing and everything else is kind of noise. So yeah, I, th yeah. I think sort of grounding Jen in that way where she needs to be aware of that for everything to work. Yeah, and it's quite a sort of transformative episode. I mean, she's shown to be a fairly awful friend. Her former classmate, Rebecca, uh, mm -hmm. reads Carrie's former memories and shows her that actually Jen's been a pretty bad friend, uh, particularly when they were younger. She tries to then embarrass her sister publicly, threatening to reveal her secrets. She, you know, sort of awful behavior after awful behavior how do you strike a balance between that being awful and still keeping some level of likability yeah i think i think if you under i think it's understanding the why behind everything like we didn't really know jen and she's acting like this you'd just be like god that's what what bitch um <laughs> because we sort of know the insecurity that lies behind all of it like she wants to take her sister down a peg because she's always kind of in her shadow and maybe it's time she got a win for once. You know, I think once you start reasoning it out from, from Jen's perspective, her actions are totally reasonable, you know, cause she's the victim from in, in her mind, you know, mm. it's, it's totally okay for her to punch up cause she is punching up. But then I guess by the end of the episode, it's Carrie helps her realize that at least within their dynamic, she's always punching down and Carrie's sort of the sidekick. And so Jen has to be, she kind of has a responsibility to be more aware of that in a way that she could maybe get away with more when it's Andy or family or like society at large kind of looking down on her. You know, I think it's her finding her. I think Jen thinks she's at the bottom of the ladder every time, but then it kind of is a bit of a zoom out for her and realizes she's not actually um, 
yeah, she's either higher up than she thinks or there's people below her and it's sort of her finding her space in a more nuanced social order than she thought it was. Yeah, absolutely. That was very intense. Didn't, I, I didn't expect to get that deep on it, but... <laughs> no, no, we're here for the deep. We're here for the deep. <laughs> no, we, love a, we love a fucking yeah. deep chat. Um, but also, like, just going back to the sort of very, very beginning, obviously, that's halfway through the season. We do know her mm-hmm. at that point. But at the start, Jen mentions antidepressants, masturbation, and poorly fitting tampons in the first minute of the show. Let's talk about nailing the tone. That was gold. <laughs> Yeah, and weirdly, that seems one that's never changed throughout all the drafts. Because um, I think it's just really, I think when you, I guess when you pitch a show that has like sort of sci-fi, sci-fi fantasy elements like superpowers, um, I guess the risk is that everything gets really fantastical and really divorced from reality super quickly. So Jen just kind of being a very, very real young woman that is kind of gross and i mean there's a powers way reason why she's being so honest in that scene but i think really using jen as like a way to nail the show to like the griminess of like everyday life was just like the, the best way to sort of i don't want to say lower people's expectations <laughs> but um i guess like set the expectation that this isn't going to be like another sort of superpowersy superhero show where it's all very stylish and glamorous and these are the best of the best we're talking about it's kind of the real world and it's going to focus more on sort of i guess like what young women go through in their lives rather than people flying and lifting heavy stuff and exploding things you know Mm, and being heroes at the end of the day yeah, it's shifting the expectation, right? I think the the superpower superhero world demands that there is some some large threat, and really, her threats are purely internal. Yeah, her threat is like, what if I'm not special, <laughs> and can mm. I get a boyfriend? You know, they're very um. But we kind of try to treat them with the same stakes of like saving the world would have, because like one of my favorite. Um, yeah, one of my favorite shows is Buffy. Oh, uh, oh, we are with yes. you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but in Absolutely. that, it's like you have to save the world, but also you're a teenage girl, and both those things are treated with the exact same level of like seriousness, mm. Um, mm. which I think makes yeah. it work so well. So I think I've tried to hopefully do like something kind of similar here, where like all the sort of domestic stuff feels as important as as kind of the big genre stuff. Oh, definitely. She's also going through, you know, grief and the many different layers that relationships have taken in her life within the family she has around her, the friendship she has around her and just being a young girl. It's fucking difficult, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it is an origin story in and of itself. (laughs) Anyone in super villain. Yeah. It's so true. Also, the sort of first way she tries to urge her powers on in the season is basically asking her friends to subject her to extreme stress. I mean, the metaphors abound, no? Yeah. What what we're trying to do is kind of like always kind of balance those scales of um, kind of how much Jen wants her power and what she's willing to like do and sacrifice for it. And I feel like, yeah, there's, we, we tried to basically to keep it like quite grounded and quite relatable 
we would always sort of come back to what what superpowers were a metaphor for. So I think a lot of the time for me it was it was stuff like um, just like someone like constantly wanting to like be a certain weight, you know. So something you like you're always striving for it's kind of always out of your reach um maybe you'll sacrifice a lot of like social stuff for that or you'll sort of make your your daily life quite miserable for that and it's probably not worth it but you're sort of always kind of reaching for this like unattainable thing and then you feel like you know oh, once i do that then i can start dating or start going on holidays my life will will really begin once i get this one thing um so whether it was like yeah being a certain weight or like getting a boyfriend or getting a specific job like we always kind of use those for as like yeah metaphors for powers a little bit to see how it would sort of affect your day-to-day life yeah at this point do you have a superpower in mind that you would want her to have or is that way too spoilery <laughs> oh that is a bit spoilery who says she has one <laughs> right you know <laughs> but i have seen Ash- many good um internet theories oh is there um, what are the theories oh, oh what yeah. is what's your favorites <laughs> i can't even say in case i use it <laughs> some of them are really like some of them are, are, are quite funny and then some of them are like god that's actually a great idea <laughs> right god bless the one. internet yeah I, I just feel like i can't i can't use it because that would just be sailing but um yeah reddit has to um, be i actually once read i read an interview that you have a massive word document of powers just ready to go that don't have a home yet uh yeah. can you disclose what some of these are oh there's some well, there's really basic ones like just being able to know someone's postcode by touching them which i think is quite handy be a great post <laughs> um, also could lead to some stalker uh situations yeah gdpr <laughs> nightmare to be honest <laughs> um this is more of like a full character i haven't had a chance to put them in yet but i i really love that like the idea that because some people will be able to like heal people with their hands and stuff that like doctors become kind of obsolete so i just wanted to write this like really really like like the dumbest man you've ever met who's like a really fancy doctor because he can just do it but he's oh genuinely an idiot. <laughs> Love it. It's so good. <laughs> it's a great um, excuse to like throw one of these core cast members into an accident, right? <laughs> yeah. Or like they get set up with like, oh, he's a doctor. He's going to be really sophisticated. He's just uh, <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Love it. Love yeah. Also sort of in the, in the world of, you know, all of these people having superpowers. I think one of the things the show nails and also sort of reflects back onto Jen's quest for one is nobody's that defined by their superpower. Nobody's really doing big heroic things. It's just so incredibly normal. It just seems to be a, you know, a thing that she doesn't have, which sort of ties back into that innate want and that struggle she's having internally it's not about this external world telling her superpowers make us better it's just that people have them and she doesn't yeah i mean like i feel like we wanted to make it clear in the show that they're sort of superpowers but not superheroes like everyone even if you have the best the the quote-unquote best ones the coolest ones like you still have those like really specific insecurities that like everyone has so i because i feel like there's this thing in life where 
you sort of have like a goal or a want and then you get it and then you're still not happy like there's always something to you kind of need something to be discontent about so yeah jen's just really chasing this kind of uh this kind of dream that like if and when she ever gets it there's going to be another thing like it's always going to well, be disappointing so chasing it in the first place is probably pointless well we're always you know the goalposts are always shifting in life um mm. and uh, but just like the scenarios she throws herself into are hilarious like just the episode where she is carrie's talent agent mm. <laughs> um it's just brilliant like she rocks she rocks a good you know power suit has to be said um actually where did the idea for that episode come from with the uh you know lechy country singer oh yeah well we, i i want i always wanted to do something with carrie um like basically having to channel someone that she hates <laughs> so it's like where where, do we, where what's carrie and like what would carrie absolutely fucking hate and then how you sort of like mash them together um but yeah i just i just really like the sort of carrie jen dynamic is kind of one of my favorite ones to write in the show because it is just two kind of slightly psychotic girls hyping each other up to the point where they shouldn't <laughs> they should not be doing that <laughs> so it just kind of necessarily leads to like kind of slightly crazy sitcom scenarios and i think they just like just i was gonna say despite how intense episode five is but i think episode five only happens because they care about each other so much and care enough to argue like i, I it, you can just like see how much they like love each other and care for each other throughout the whole thing even if sometimes it's a little bit one-sided mm-hmm. um so it was just mm-hmm. yeah I, I just love i'd love running female friendships like probably more mm-hmm. than romantic stuff oh, absolutely all, like yeah. disgusting boys like who cares yeah that's um, where our heart broke most and them yelling at each other in the bathroom you're just like don't let this happen <laughs> yeah well it's such rich emotional terrain female friendship there's a lot that goes on there yeah there's like power dynamics there's just really intense like platonic love going on um because mm. i feel like with like my relationships with my female friends or like one of them the other day was like oh yeah my retirement plan is just i guess just buying the house next to yours uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, okay. that's really sweet that is, yeah. Yeah. i was like that is uh, lovely you think any of us are retiring but um <laughs> okay good you're thinking 50 years ahead whereas i feel like with a partner you're like let's see how the next six months goes yes you know? absolutely we all want to end up in the commune on the same street don't we yeah 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 just just i she actually also sent me an article in the guardian recently where i think this bunch of women just bought their own commune yes i saw that and we're happy and i was like yeah <laughs> that is the dream yeah, yeah. <laughs> all, you, all you need is your community and you're set that's it yeah they're like men can come and go that's fine but they're not staying the night <laughs> right yeah it's interesting too you mentioned about power dynamics because there's also quite unequal superpower dynamics mm. within these two right mm. she's quite literally using her friend to talk to her dead dad that is uh, carries a lot of emotional weight talk us through where that idea came from and why that was so sort of important to include in their relationship yeah i mean i think sort of originally it just kind of arose from um kind of just exploring carrie's 
power to be honest because it wasn't sort of original in the in the in the very first iteration i wrote that wasn't really in it at all and then yeah i just started digging into carrie's power and how much like responsibility comes with that you're kind of mm. you you can give people back their dead relative in a way even if it's a little it's it's not really the full thing um so i just thought it'd be really interesting to see how you know she's basically obligated to jen like if they ever do fall out they can't really because she's kind of giving her her, her dad mm-hmm. um but it was just so nice to but then you also get these really tender moments where like carrie's kind of being her parent as well which i think i see in a lot of um kind of friendships where one's more i guess like motherly than the other and is kind of maybe taking on too many roles for them mm. like ideally carrie would just get to be the nice supportive fun best friend but she's kind of also being a parent um and i guess that's i mean we'll see how their relationship develops but maybe that's two sort of roles they need to get out from under a little bit if their friendship's gonna survive oh that's just it's just too much for one person to to take on really even if carrie thinks she's happy to do it you know well, that's a tough thing about two friends growing up with one another, you know, you're kind of in these fixed roles and you're used to seeing them as like a certain way and mm. having. Um, and so it is just how do you shift out of that? If you live together, you do everything together, there needs to be some sort of healthy distance or you know, from someone needs to go and like some six month trip away <laughs> and then come back and it's like, <laughs> yeah. like these, these are the boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it sort of carries, um, well, hopefully if we get to see enough of her, um, Carrie's sort of macro journey for everything is just seeing, I guess, like just, just becoming her own person and seeing what Carrie is because she spent so long being... Jen's friend and Cash's girlfriend and then also literally being other people and having other people speak through mm. her so it's kind of her finding what what Carrie wants and who Carrie is yeah um, hopefully in very messy ways <laughs> where she gets to try on a few different hats oh I can't wait yeah it, it's a very exciting prospect I also think that sort of when she has that shift with Jen and she you know forces her to take responsibility she's ruined this big day for her she has a sort of clarity on their friendship that she didn't have before Jen also sort of runs off with this new character who also doesn't have a power which felt really truthful to the sort of way people leave relationships of all sorts right you go I'm over that let's go find something new and exciting that validates who I am and who this person has told me I shouldn't be um I just thought that was like a genius move and it's in a comedy format it's quite hard to introduce lots of you know big emotional shifts in these people but yeah I'd love to hear about where that idea came from yeah I mean I guess yeah, that character is kind of just the rebound from Carrie. Like, I think I did look at it more like they've broken up in a romantic sense. And this is kind of the acting out rather than like looking at it through a friendship lens. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, it's basically just, yeah, you're right, Jen, rebelling against everything Carrie said, mainly because she knows she's right and is kind of running away from it and, and acting a bit like a child. Um, <laughs> mm. But it was it was really fun to write those 
scenes in episode six where her and Carrie, because they live together, sort of have to interact with each other, but are fighting and it's petty, but there's a really deep sort of emotional hurt behind it. Um, it's just really fun to write those scenes where people are kind of dancing around what they want to say instead of just saying it, um, which I think brings a lot of the comedy to it. But yeah, I remember sort of putting on a lot of sad music and crying when I was trying to write them sort of reuniting um, in a way that I haven't cried for like <laughs> the more sort of like romantic juice or stuff in the theater. Because uh, <laughs> I was like, no, this is the big emotional moment. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Mm. What music gets you in that process? Oh, I was listening to a lot of um, just sad acoustic stuff. Um, there was maybe a bit too much Phoebe Bridgers going on right? <laughs> during that. Yeah. There's never yeah. too much Phoebe Bridgers. If you want to get work done, there is. <laughs> I was just getting way too sad and be like, I can't do it. I'm just thinking about the world now. <laughs> Your emotional oh, no. K-hole of Phoebe Bridgers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's 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 powerful and I think the it's a testament to your writing that watching those I think as an audience and maybe subjectively because we are 30 something women who have had experiences like this with friends felt like the most emotional resonant thing in the entire show. Yeah, I think it was most like difficult bits made it like I I did a lot of drafts of that fight between Carrie and Jen. Um, and so How many? Zinging out. Maybe, uh, I want to say maybe like 10, like 12. And just, wow. I'd, I'd write it yeah. from like one perspective and then underwrite it from another. So then I'd like go back and be like, okay, no, I'm Carrie now. <laughs> and then I have to, I was basically arguing with myself within it of who I agreed with more or less. And I think, yeah, I mean, you have to come out on Carrie's side because she's right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At the same time, you're still Jen writing from Jen's perspective, right? Yeah, it was weird because I sort of um, started off writing it more from like, I guess like more sympathetic from Jen. Um, mm. like I was sort of maybe too conscious of her coming across really unlikable in that moment. But I think you do kind of have to... I f yeah, I felt like you had that you had to drag her back into like quite a childish state of mind for that argument to sort of land well. Yeah, because in that she's kind of at her lowest point at the end of that episode, where you know she's made a tit out of herself. She has isolated her family. Um, she genuinely feels bad for her sister, which I think is something she didn't think could happen. Um, <laughs> so. And, and then she expects Carrie to be like, "Oh, poor baby, you, you poor thing," and then because she's so used to playing that role where she's a bit helpless and she is kind of the victim. Mm. So she's kind of giving Carrie that energy and it's the worst thing she could possibly do in that moment because Carrie's also massive. Like, she Carrie's also at her lowest point. So she's expecting maybe for once Jen will take care of her. Mm. Um, but she really mm. gives that, I don't know, Sophia just gave that really, you know, when like you're, you're, you've got like a really nice mum and then one day she shouts at you. <laughs> yeah like oh <laughs> like it's more terrifying than yeah a it hits harder person. oh um, yeah so i think yeah i think in that moment jen's just very sort of i think uh, she, it's, it's interesting she does kind of it feels like an interaction between jen and her mom rather than jen and carrie like she has that same sort of belligerence like i'm not going to listen to you i'm just going to like reactively tell you to fuck off you know 
Um, oh, definitely. But but Carrie's been yeah. that maternal role for her so much, hasn't she? She's literally been a, a parental role at the very least. She's actually been her dad for <laughs> some time. Yeah, she's literally and, her dad. Yeah, she's yeah, taken yeah. on this day-to-day responsibility of being that sort of connective tissue between her and her family that Jen appears to be running away from. It's, yeah, it's a lot of load to bear for one person, no matter how good of a friend they are to you. Yeah, I think Carrie does genuinely quite like doing it. I think there comes a point when it becomes too much and it's not fair to ask of her, but she's just such a such a giving person that yeah. she's like, no, I just I want to be there for my friend. But I think ultimately you have to realize that it's maybe not the healthiest relationship <laughs> to have. Yeah. Well, it's like in any relationship, there's, you know, there's always give and take. And mm. it, this is definitely a dynamic where one takes and the other gives and that's it. And yeah, Carrie has just, as you've, you know, referred to, you know, she's just lost herself in these other identities. And, you know, it's easy to just be someone's girlfriend, someone's friend and just kind of go along and coast along with those things um if everything else is kind of like grand um but you know she's gotten to a stage in her life where she's just like actually no i want more for myself like you know life definitely can offer me so much more if i just actually put a bit more of myself into it um but obviously that's really difficult for jen to grasp (laughs) yeah in a way it's kind of like i don't want to playing Carrie because she's so sweet but it's slightly her fault for like allowing Jen to do this it's, you know in a way Jen doesn't know she's doing anything wrong because Carrie's always giving her a pass you know there's Absolutely. never been a pushback so why would you think I mean you should have the wherewithal to know you're doing something wrong but um <laughs> as as Jen is slightly me I'm going to defend her a lot more uh <laughs> 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 yeah, Jen's actually just trying her best out here. <laughs> yeah, so mean to her. <laughs> I think also we can't really discuss Jen in her entirety without mentioning the romantic dalliance with her catches, Lord. Um, <laughs> let's let's talk about it. I mean, she obviously ends in sort of a disastrous place where she's yet to know that he potentially has a family which is a real cherry on top of the situation uh but they go through quite a unlikely meet cute and all the rest so yeah talk us through jen and jizz mm. Mm. i've really i feel bad because i really dunked on it now in the female friendship portion rather than like, okay but i i really really i, I love rom-coms um and to be honest when i first introduced Jizzler as a character when I was developing the season, I thought he would just be kind of silly comic relief and like a nice little feral energy to the sort of sitcom foursome. Uh, and then I was like, maybe they have chemistry. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and the more I thought about it, I was like, oh, they actually make a lot of sense together. They're kind of both misfits. Um, they kind of both don't hugely fit in with society. Um, they're both kind of looking for something that they're probably not going to find. Like just always looking for where he belongs, kind of so is Jen in a more sort of esoteric way. Um, and he's just also, I think because Jen is also so uh, like hyper aware of everything social and her place in the world and how other people see her and social mores and how she's not fitting in with them. Whereas just Lord doesn't give a shit 
mainly because he doesn't know that he should. So he's kind of this slightly freeing energy for her in the sense that he doesn't, I guess he, he doesn't really see her flaws in the way that everyone else would. So mm. he's this kind of nice and mm. pure emotional being that that is, is good for Jen in a way that very attractive, horrible men aren't. <laughs> mm. And there's plenty of those kicking around. Mm. Yeah, yeah. My, oh, I loved writing that awful guy. <laughs> oh my God. It was just, even just the line where, you know, she ran to the deli or whatever to get some milk after eating that really hot curry. And he's just like, you shouldn't buy that. It's open. And he just walks away. I'm like, oh yeah, like some hot asshole would just say that and be like, ha aren't I great? Like, you know, yeah. oh, she <laughs> didn't buy open milk. <laughs> she didn't notice. I better tell her. <laughs> right. I yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've just met quite a lot of, um, like, I guess like quite, quite posh men that just kind of think that just cannot conceive that maybe what they're saying isn't original or the first thing that you know they just that's it everything has to be they think they're the first person to ever have this thought or notice something yeah Um, and that's a really funny character to write because they're just confident idiots yes yes God. Yeah, it's so it's so nice to I think we we are welcomed to Jen sort of in that quasi situationship. And it's so incredibly relatable, the idea that she's going, you know, you can come to my sister's 18th. Oh, yeah, no, it's actually, like, it's totally cool if you don't go and you see this massive insecurity play out just in those initial, you know, conversations with each other and interactions with each other. It's, it's great character work. I mean, the man purely has that as a purpose in my eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I guess there's this like, there's kind of like a very literal power dynamic going on where he can fly, which I think in the world is like the coolest power that, you know, everyone wants to be able to, to fly. Um, And Jen has none. And then, also, I get like in the sort of real world socially, he would have all the power and she wouldn't have any. So she kind of has to bargain with him and meet him on his own terms. Yeah. Um, mm. So we did a lot of like, when we were thinking about powers and how they work and how we're going to portray them, I think it was, yeah, it was quite interesting to tie them to sort of how power works like socially and and those kind of like analogies and metaphors Then it feels a lot more I know it feels, feels more grounded and like we're saying something about is it like a very light satire basically oh absolutely even just um sorry i'm gonna sidetrack and i'll get back to him but just the, <laughs> the the woman the shop owner the costume shop owner who is like this small young kid but she's like inside she is this this haggard woman who's just been jilted by her husband i just think like yeah the play on power and what they say about age and status in society it's just it's so clever and ultimately it's it's kind of like a to say that it, it shouldn't matter and like the more you chase it the further away it's going to get so just just have fun basically how therapeutic have you found the writing process on this show oh i think quite therapeutic i think it's really helped me um well, i'd like to say it's it's stopped me being ambitious but i don't think it that sounds like an awful thing to say, but I think it sort of helped me put stuff in perspective. Like, obviously it's fantastic to have a show that's on TV and a success, but also I feel like 
if it went away tomorrow, I could probably deal with it in a way that I couldn't maybe a few years ago before writing the show. Like, I think I was like, God, I have to have a point and a purpose and like, I have to have something I can like cling on to as like, I'm, I'm worthy of being here. Like I, I can, I can contribute and, and I'm valuable. Whereas now mm. I think it's a bit more, I'm a bit more lax about it, but maybe that's just because of that. I've, I've kind of te- like checked that box. So that's maybe a bit stupid to say, but um, yeah, I think just putting things in perspective for me has been really helpful. Um, no, that, that makes sense. And I think uh, as women, we often find, uh, particularly as ambitious women or creative women, that we have to have proof of what we can do and why yeah. we deserve our space, right? Mm-hmm. So for any sort of form of therapy, whether that's the writing or the friendships you make or you know the family support you have, I think we all need to go through a process of some variety to go, no, actually I'm just allowed to be here. <laughs> I'm just allowed mm. to like be alive and be who I am and that's actually fine enough. Yeah. Um, and if I just yeah. wanna have an average job and just spend my time having fun with my friends, that's successful enough that's totally fine yeah um, you did yeah. thankfully been... also have a hit show so that, that oh yeah this, I know, <laughs> honey, i'm so aware of how much of a dick i sound right now that i'm like actually i don't need all of the nice stuff <laughs> <laughs> and really i'm enjoying it a lot uh <laughs> but no, it's also been great to like yeah have people react in a way that they're like oh that's i like jen jen is me like i would do this as well because yeah, I think when you're writing it, you're sort of like, is anyone going to find this relatable or am I just like fucking weirdo that's not really that likable? <laughs> like, I think it is weird when a character is like even a little bit based on yourself. Like if people take that character and they're like, God, I hate them. They're so annoying. I don't want to watch them. You're like, OK, I guess I'm I guess they don't like me as a oh, person. <laughs> The first show I wrote was based on myself and I stupidly called her Layla and then sold that show. And everyone was like, Layla's complicated. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) no. What have I done? (laughs) It's like that episode Sex in the City and Carrie's gone to L.A. to like, they're like, maybe we'll like turn your columns into a TV series. And they're all like, what's Carrie's problem? Like, why does she keep going back to big? (laughs) <laughs> Shit. <laughs> no, it is it is fantastic though. And everyone does relate to Jen. And that's why she's such an incredible slash you are such an incredible protagonist. Um mm. you obviously also got a second season out of it. What can you tell us about season two? Oh, I think nothing. Or like <laughs> the Disney police will break in. Um Oh, I see, I see. How far into development are you? Oh, we shot it. It's done. Oh, <gasps> Oh. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know exactly oh. when it's. I think it's gonna be out next, early next year, sometime. It was very, it was a very quick turnaround. I basically finished season one and then I started writing season two, pretty much. I think I had a couple of weeks and then just went straight into it, which is quite intense. Um, yeah, what can, what oh, what can I say that isn't a massive spoiler? Mm-hmm. I think Jen and Jizzard's relationship will see a few obstacles. I think that's pretty safe to say. <laughs> um, you might have this sort of, I guess, people that know him might come out of the woodwork. Uh, well, someone called him daddy, right? Yeah, I, th- I think I think you can safely <laughs> assume that's his child. Uh, I did sort of pitch when I was writing season two. I was sort of like, would it be really? I was pitching it to the exec. I was like, could I just like 
start season two by opening with that scene and then having the woman just go like oh no sorry my mistake I just look like this guy <laughs> and then walking away <laughs> and then just doing a, doing a totally different thing and they were like you can <laughs> technically but you we can wouldn't advise it yeah <laughs> <laughs> no you're setting yourself up for a much more interesting you're setting sorry the viewers up for a much more interesting um plot line i think uh if it's a uh, family yeah, yeah. Um, so actually on this show, Leila once told me that a TV series should be six series and a movie. So in the movie of Extraordinary, what will they get up to? What would happen? Oh, I really want to do like an in-betweeners movie thing where they go on holiday. Oh, that'd be really fun. Oh my God. Yes. Where will they go? Um, oh, somewhere really shit like Alicante or something. <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> I said, I, that sounds really snobby. I went to Alicante this summer and it was great. Um, <laughs> but I guess because they can like teleport, it could be like a bunch of different places. Like you could, you could just do like a little world tour. God, yeah. Because you don't, you only get, you only. I think you get to see powers with like a really like British Irish like lens, where everyone's kind of using them in shit ways and a bit kind of grim. Um, but like, what are Italian people doing? Oh my they're god, the Italians would be sexy. Yeah, they'd be oh, they'd be doing something very romantic with their powers. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like there's like a lot of opera hanging uh, happening over there with their powers. I don't know. Mm. And like the Americans are probably doing something really fucked up. I don't know what they're doing, but um, I bet the Canadians are just being really polite with with everyone. They're probably just <laughs> being really sweet. Oh my god, that would be yeah. so fun. They could do a world tour. Yeah. yeah, that'd be really fun. That's... Or like an extend, like maybe Cash can like go back quite far in time and it's more of like a time travel. Ooh. Yes. Ooh, so into yeah. all this. Could, yeah, oh travel in time and space, maybe. <laughs> and if you had to have a superpower, what would it be? Oh, I get answers all the time when I change it every time. Um... <laughs> What's today's version? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know, I quite like invisibility just because I really like people watching, but I feel like you just get really creepy really quickly. <laughs> but you're invisible, who will know? Well, it's, that's the thing, it's, that's the cure for it all. Because in summertime I can do it because I've got like sunglasses on. But um, mm. most of the year I can't really... I made it, it was really embarrassing on holiday, like I got, I wear like prescription sunglasses and I was wearing them so much, I got so used to be able to just like stare at people on the street. But one day, when it was cloudy, I put my regular glasses on and I was like still doing it. <laughs> so I'd walk past people and I'd look at them and they'd look at me back and I'd be like, why are they looking at me? Really? <laughs> so I was just like staring out everyone on the street really intensely. So yeah, invisibility would be great. What, like, would, you, what all... would you guys just be? Oh, I I would snap my fingers. I'd have super and just be able to go wherever I want. Mm. My teleportation. Yeah, that that, that's the word. Yes. Yeah, I feel like I watched way too much like Charmed as a kid, so it would be one of those like dumb freezing time things. But I don't know what I do. Freezing time actually is not that practical. I don't know what you'd do within that. I just steal a bunch of stuff. Yes, maybe that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what are what are you stealing? Just clothes, <laughs> nice things. <laughs> I just go into like. like... I don't know, um, and other stories and just armfuls. Let me. Yeah. Plus, you could also just like go into areas you don't belong just to see what's kicking about, right? Yeah. Even Would you like go time. and 
you could do that thing where you go in and like pull someone's trousers down and then leave. (laughs) Particularly if somebody was being a bit of a dick. There really is no traceability. It's pure fun. Actually, yeah, that's the power I'm choosing. That's the one. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, well, I think that's a lot of time that we've taken up of yours and we're very grateful yeah. for you to do so. Do you have any further tidbits, season two things, questions, answers, thoughts uh, to share before we say goodbye? Oh, no. <laughs> I feel like if I say anything about season two, I will like live to regret it. Um, I'll just say, oh, I had a thought earlier that I was going to say something that didn't come up, but it was like in in episode five, this is a great little Easter egg of like, oh yeah, that doesn't work. Where um, Andy's girlfriend has broken her fanny basically. And she has a big cast on, but the the cast goes over her clothes. (laughs) 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 So like, yeah, on that day on set, someone came over and was like, how did she, how did she get this? (laughs) How would that? And I think everyone just went, we don't care. <laughs> We've been shooting uh, for six hours. We're not going to change it now. <laughs> oh, that's oh a fantastic. That's just a nice little logic. And, and there's a lot of those little logic um, mistakes in the show. So by all means, email me if you see any more. I love, I love <laughs> hearing that. Actually, a question I do have just before we end, because I feel like a lot of listeners might be wondering the same thing. Um, you did a master's in screenwriting mm-hmm. at Manchester University. Screenwriting is such a hot ticket now. Would you recommend doing a master's or what would your advice be? How was your time there? Oh, I think it was help- it was helpful because it was a really uh, practical course. So you got to like do time on soaps and they'd set you up with like um, like internships and stuff like that. Mm. So I'd recommend doing it if, if, if you do like a really practical one where there's actual real world experience. If there's not, I'd probably just read like Into the Woods by John York and then just write a script that is really distinctly your voice and then shop it around. Like, but it, it, yeah, it just depends how much sort of like physical integration in the industry you kind of need and want. Like if you're coming completely fresh, maybe like an MA is great. If you kind of vaguely know it, I guess just like write your script and like just really put your calling card out there. Was this your calling card? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This was kind of the first TV script I wrote, to be honest. Um, Love it. Yeah, I've done a lot yeah, of writing actually, before that, but. Mm, yeah, I read you had developed this in, you started this in Manchester Uni, hadn't you? Yeah, well, actually, I, I think I submitted it for my like entrance packet <laughs> of like, can I can oh. I do the course, please? Um, but yeah, okay. I started so I'd written it before I got in, and then it was starting to be developed like a few months before the course was ending. So I was kind of, I guess, like learning how to write a script in class, and then leaving class and being like, I'm actually physically doing this now. <laughs> It's this very quick application of of, of like these skills. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, and it's very it's pretty intense. It's incredible. You should be so proud. Congratulations on all of its success so far. Uh, yeah, we are two big you. fans. You can't wait to see what happens next. So excited! Very excited. Great. Yeah. No, thanks yeah. for having me. <laughs> Our pleasure. Oh, yeah. Anytime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you yeah. for season two. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be back. Yeah. 
amazing thank you so much speak to you soon thank you bye bye well that was quite the interview that was sensational i thoroughly enjoyed myself what right? an excellent conversation yeah i'm actually just like not only a big extraordinary fan i'm a massive emma morin fan <laughs> big big fan what a thoughtful and uh it's a very thoughtful person very authentic and um and considerate and yeah she really cares about these characters and where they're going and why they do what they do and like nothing is on the surface there's it's yeah there's a why for everything that's it right i think in a sort of superpower superhero show as we've already mentioned you can just have these powers that happen and it's people dealing with their new powers but each of these choices have been so carefully considered and so about who those people are and what would sort of challenge them most help them most hurt them most mm. um just a great lesson in the art of screenwriting actually <laughs> yeah totally like it's just it's just that thing about taking the time to really think this through yeah it was yeah just um really interesting conversation Truly. And we hope y'all listening enjoyed it as much as we have too. Yeah. Um, any thoughts or feedback? Send us an email. That's hello at she's having an episode.com. And we'll see you next week with another fantastic female character. Mm, tis the time. Tis the time. <laughs> see you then, baby. See you then. Bye. Bye. And that concludes this week's episode. We do sincerely hope you've enjoyed your stay. And if you have, be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platform of choice. Just search for She's Having an Episode and hit that follow button. We love seeing your reviews too. So do take a moment to rate and review the podcast if you have 30 seconds to spare. It really helps others discover our show and that will really help the show become better by the week. And if you want even more, you follow us on our social media channels, which you can spell check in our show notes as well as our email address. For any burning questions, future character suggestions and general good vibes. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time. Until then.